0: They're just, like, openly cheerleading for TikTok, and I can't imagine them taking the same tone toward Elon Musk and Twitter or Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook. Welcome to the Powers That Be daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Monday, March 27th, which means, of course, it's Media Monday. Today, John Kelly and I talk about the TikTok hearing on Capitol Hill and some of the curious ways the press is covering the Chinese-owned app as lawmakers threaten a possible ban or sale. And we'll discuss the grid being acquired by the Messenger. And if you don't know what either of those things are, well, we've got you covered. We'll discuss all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Do. Happy Monday, everybody. If it's Monday, it's Media Monday, and I'm joined today by the boss man at Puck himself, John Kelly. How are you, buddy?
1: I'm good, Peter. We're taping this mid-March madness, and uh, I know no one cares what we think, but wanted to give a shout-out to our new uh, best pal, Peter Schrager, longtime listener, first-time caller. Uh, we love him on Simmons, and we're glad that he's a member of the Powers That Be community. I want to talk to you about the... TikTok hearing
0: on Capitol Hill in front of the House Commerce Committee last Thursday. TikTok CEO Xiao Chu appeared. I don't know how closely you paid attention to this. I watched most of it. I'm fascinated by this whole storyline. It has a lot of media angles. I'm really, really interested in how the media and individual reporters, quite frankly, are covering TikTok. But did you
1: have any like takeaways from just passively seeing the clips about this stuff? You're the expert on this, so I'm going to answer this briefly and then turn over the floor to you. The thing that stood out most besides the obvious fact that hating on China is is one of the few bipartisan issues in Washington now, besides sort of hating on Dan Snyder and and, and the commanders... I was most alert to what seems to me the hastening of the Boomba cycle in social media. Facebook started in like 2002, Twitter started in like 2006, and it took years, years, years for us to realize the potential unintended malevolent byproducts of these companies. You know, maybe maybe a decade in some cases, maybe it was 2016. We now, as a culture, know from the jump that... um, TikTok is a very cool service that can be used for great harm. And we'd be having a version of this conversation if the company was not owned by a Chinese parent co, right? Like there's absolutely a version of that would exist, but it's been exacerbated 10 or a hundred fold because of the expectation that this is being manipulated and that the users are being manipulated. So the fact that that cycle has gone from, uh, let's call it a decade to 18 months, I think is is my main observation about this. But you are the expert as a, a person who saw the power of, of Snapchat and the millennial and Gen Z uh, media craze before anyone. So what, what were your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, I need to say I work at Snapchat, but in that it that gives you some perspective. I mean, I you know, viewing this through a political lens, like every election cycle has a buzzy new app. You know, there was the Twitter election and the YouTube election and the Snapchat election and now TikTok. And it is interesting to me how the press covered this for a variety of reasons, because TikTok is pretty fun um, because TikTok is, quite frankly, used by a lot of Gen Z and millennial reporters who cover tech and politics. I feel like the tone of the coverage has actually been pretty fawning toward TikTok, uh, despite the fact that the Chinese government can compel ByteDance to provide information or data at any point, that's Chinese law. <laughs> and yet a lot of the tenor of the coverage I've seen and, and a lot of the TikToks I've seen since, since the hearing are like, these bozo lawmakers don't know what they're doing. You know, asking questions about whether TikTok can connect to a Wi-Fi network or whether it can, like, scan your pupils. Look, I'm old enough to remember when Ted Stevens, you know, stood on the floor of the, the House and talked about how the Internet was a series of tubes. And that was a meme. And, and it's long been, this is not new, a thing where bozo senators and members of Congress don't understand how to speak Internet And we should all mock them. I actually, like, take a little bit of a contrary view with this hearing. Part of this is because House members are younger than senators. For every dumb question, there were five actually pretty good questions. I think Republicans and Democrats, while some were different in their approach toward China, a lot of them were actually kind of literate (laughs) compared to past Mm -hmm. hearings involving tech CEOs. Like I forget, maybe it was Laurie Trahan from Massachusetts was asking about like their API. Just using that vocabulary word is something that would never have happened in a hearing <laughs> yes, right. uh, on Capitol Hill like three years ago. So either these members were briefed or they just kind of understand the Internet more than previous elected officials. And so I've just been kind of struck by that. Actually, I want to uh, read a, a line that sort of like proves out what I'm saying. Um, The New Republic had a piece about how Democrats are going to lose Gen Z and why, you know, Gen Z is going to turn on the government if TikTok gets banned. And there's this line in in this article in The New Republic. While TikTok has struggled to stem the tide of misleading information on its platform, losing the app would force young Americans to turn to other sources. (laughs) That's an actual sentence that like TikTok is rife with disinformation, junk, and yet if we ban it, they're going to have to go elsewhere to get news. And it's like, do you not know that YouTube and Snapchat and Instagram exist alongside every other media company on the internet? There's just this like short-term view about TikTok that if it doesn't exist, that people won't be able to survive, people won't be able to connect, people won't be able to get information as if other platforms and the entire internet doesn't exist. TikTok didn't even pop until 2019. And yet mm-hmm. people before that found a way to connect and find information. Anyway, I do think the tone of the coverage has actually been pretty fawning toward TikTok. Imagine, compare TikTok the way it's been talked about by tech reporters. And man, there are some who are just blowing my mind. NBC News and The Washington Post, I'm not going to name names, but they're just like openly cheerleading for TikTok. And I can't imagine that taking the same tone toward Elon Musk and Twitter or Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook. Anyway, it's just been very interesting to me. I will say, from a media training perspective, I thought the TikTok CEO did pretty well. Like, he didn't come off as, like, arrogant. He came off as pretty earnest while being evasive about Mm -hmm. data and the problems of, of the algorithm and influence campaigns. Unlike Mark Zuckerberg testifying on Capitol Hill, he didn't come off as just, like, an arrogant guy. He seemed like he was genuinely, like trying. You know, I don't think they did well. I think the hearing was disaster for TikTok. But like, he actually came off as kind of likable.
1: You know, it's funny, I've been thinking about the recent run on SVB. And how as our partner Bill Cohen likes to point out, banking, even at the highest levels is is kind of a it can be a confidence game. It's a marketplace, you know, you you, you put your money somewhere, you take it out when a lot of people do it at one time, it turns out that the emperor has no clothes. I think that social media is too actually and, and that what we're seeing here is the culture writ large is contemplating a world without TikTok, like pretty earnestly. Mm -hmm. I think unplugging things like this, it's just a lot harder to do than people Mm -hmm. think. This is not like a child's make-believe game where you just say, all right, we're not playing with that toy anymore. But when you do go through this exercise, you realize how ephemeral these things can be. Every social media company has come out uh, with a... A concept, a, a new way of communicating. I mean, it, when when Snapchat came out, it, it was this sort of short burst communication, which which was a, a novel concept. And then over time, they've each continued to have to iterate. Right, Twitter was 140 characters, and it's 280 characters, and now it, it is whatever it is. And Facebook continued to acquire companies. Is there a life after TikTok? Sure, it's gonna. It just happens to be going through the motions at warp speed. You know, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. now it's middle aged in four or five years into life, and that's just gonna continue that life cycle expedition. I can't think of a kind of Harvard Business Review term for it, but whatever you want to call <laughs> it, it's just accelerating now. Like, think about ChatGPT. Like, from the moment this thing was was brought to market, everyone was instantly jumping on how this was gonna destroy humanity. We absolutely mm-hmm. knew immediately oh there's a new technological or social platform like let's mm-hmm. talk about all the ways it's going to ruin life for everyone before we figure out the ways that it could help telemedical uh technology or all the there, you know it, it, there are obviously ways it can add value like we would already jumped to the shark point where we'd gone to the to the very end of the spectrum and realized how disastrous this was going to be so it's just a um it, it sort of shows these things can be mirrors in our society, and I think it, it yeah. shows uh, what, what we've learned.
0: Yeah, John, I mean, you're so right. TikTok formally launched after ByteDance bought it and merged it with Musical.ly in 2018. That feels like, we treat, we're treat we talking about this as if it's like so deeply entrenched in our society, and that was the message from TikTok CEO, by the way. But you're so right, platforms die. Vine was turned off. You know, Vine was yeah. beloved, just turned off. MySpace uh, over the years withered and died. You know, Friendster is an obvious example. Facebook has mutated right. into, like, boomer, QAnon, sure. Slop. And, you know, we've become so addicted to these platforms, we forget about how we survived without them, before them, and how we connected point with
1: people before them. 0.0000001% of these things have survived. They've just become enormous, right? Like, it yeah. is, the chances are one in a jillion. Yes. I mean, I, at this
0: point in time, I... You know Scott Galloway said this on on the Pivot podcast before the hearing, but I think a sale is forced here. I mean there are there's too much value bundled up in TikTok. You know a lot of their investors and and, and frankly some of the VC firms in Silicon Valley would yep. like would like yep. like them to be spun off and sold. And, and Galloway made this point. Um, Tara and I have a piece up today, The Powers That Be. Everyone subscribe, and I sort of riff about this, too. But, you know, if you think about when Trump tried to force a sale back in, when was that, 2020? It kind of came down to the wire, and ByteDance or China Mm -hmm. or TikTok or whoever was like, well, do we want to have this, like, massive potential propaganda tool in the U.S. and use it for sinister purposes down the road? Or... Do we actually want to make a shitload of money off of this tool? And like at, at the end of the day this fizzled, but you know, they started taking offers from buyers. And I think it will probably come down to that. It's hard to see TikTok getting just turned off and banned in the United States, but man, I don't know. And just just to like wrap this up, just you know, I know this sounds like a Peter Hamby gripe session about how the press <laughs> is covering this thing, but there are two issues with TikTok. One is China accessing data and privacy. But the other one is like influence and the algorithm and what people see. And if it's true that TikTok, and we don't know because they're not publicly traded (laughs) here and we don't have insight into this, if they have 150 million monthly active users, that's a huge potential to like influence minds and opinions and habits in this country between, especially between people on the app between the ages of 13 and 34. And I just think that element of it needs to be considered. And this isn't just some like hawkish anti-China racist thing coming from Republicans that you don't like, Michael Bennett and Mark Warner on the Intelligence Committee are co-sponsoring bills to either ban or regulate TikTok. I mean, like, these are, like, sober-minded people who are not idiots. Like, this is a bipartisan thing, and it can't just be papered over, even if TikTok Paid SKDK to like have a rally with creators and Jamal Bowman, like do a press conference outside Capitol Hill. I mean, just like what a slapdash cut and paste (laughs) PR campaign that didn't work at all. But I I think there's momentum here to do something about it. And we'll see if that
1: happens before the 2024 election. I don't know. Well, I just want to add one thing before we go to break here. Uh, You pointed this out on the Slack last week, and it it bears um, reiteration. I didn't know that SKDK, the D of which is Anita Dunn, SKDK had been using it, its vast influential powers of, of uh, influence peddling to work for TikTok. I, I rarely roll my eyes at the uh, revolving door in Washington, and, and Biden's caught a fair amount of flag for bringing in so many former lobbyists. I mean, you know, lobbying is the, the way to make real money in Washington, and I'm all for people doing what they need to do. But when I found out that Biden, who's been so vociferously, you know, critical of this company, had you know, is being basically managed by a person whose, whose name is on the building of the company that's doing work for TikTok. I thought, wait a minute, this actually, this is a little too gross, people. And um, mm-hmm. the, the, the good uh, civil listeners of the powers that be should know that they should actually, um, they should expect better from their government officials. Uh, that was just gross.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's working very well, since Bi- the Biden administration is sort of aligning itself with some sort of banner sale here um when we come back john i want to ask you about a news startup that aims to have as many users and followers as tiktok (laughs) but seems kind of uh improbable it's called the messenger i want to ask you about it
1: this episode is brought to you by shopify
0: Welcome back to the powers that be everyone it's media Monday John we talked about the messenger a few episodes ago Uh, you Mm -hmm. know some of the people involved they just acquired a website called the grid uh, which is another news startup just to like I feel like most people generally including like media addicts listening to this don't know what the messenger is or what the grid is and why this matters can you just like set the table for us on (laughs) what just happened.
1: Yeah, sure. And I, I, you know, I'll say preemptively, I'm not sure if I can explain why this actually matters, but I'll, I'll, I'll try here. The grid is a news media startup that launched a couple of years ago. Um, one of the founders came from Politico, I think, in Vox before that, and the other one came from ABC News. I'm just gonna kind of call it like I see it here. I, I never quite understood what the purpose of it was gonna be. It was gonna cover news from all angles, okay? And it didn't have a definitional business model. It took emirati money which i think was at the time viewed as controversial although you know the, the way money swirls through the system i think people have i think journalists have um, have recognized that that may have not been uh, as as challenging as it as it first seemed and then i would read about it because it was just certainly was in the generation of media companies that came up around our business they hired a lot of people i think they raised 10 million dollars and they hired fast which uh, i could tell you from my startup experience is, is something that you should avoid at all costs, right? You, you really want to stretch your team because you learn a lot and you don't want to hire for positions that it turns out you don't need or aren't, aren't as significantly revenue producing as you had previously thought. And so they hired quickly. The business model was ad based. And yet, Washington media is all about Basically, an upscale trade model where you, for free or paid, you create content for a really, really important group of decision makers, whether that's lawmakers, capital Hill staffers, people who work in the defense industry and are choosing between Northrop mm-hmm. Grumman or Halliburton to, to make huge spends. And... You know there's a, a huge enormous market of, of the largest companies on earth, including TikTok that we like mentioned in the previous segment, who will put tens of millions of dollars and hundreds of millions of dollars behind in corporate social responsibility ads so that those, uh, their companies are top of mind for these people, um, when they're making budgeting decisions or whether they can advocate in front of these people when uh, legislation is up. You know, maybe uh, you'll see companies um, uh, advertising when you know there's a, a, a detail in a bill or 230 comes up or, or these things are top of mind. So the grid didn't seem to do that. It didn't seem to have a sense of a- of Is a, this
0: like TikTok taking out a full page ad on top of the Washington Post uh, last Friday?
1: <laughs> it, it's, I, I, I saw TikTok all over the place um, recently. I, I think they were in Axios a couple weeks ago. I mean, I don't know if those, those are probably, I'm guessing that those are campaigns that were booked just cycles ago because of, of how um, of, the, of the lead time but yes you're right this, this is not a new game I mean during Deepwater Horizon BP had the back page of the New York Times every day for odd Infinitum. Tiffany's the August blue chip. A high-end retailer is on page A3 of the New York Times, you know, I think since before we were born, you know, a a long time ago, they had to deal with nasty PR issues about blood diamonds and and, uh, their practices uh, in unearthing minerals. So... Yeah, I mean this is not a new game, but anyway, my point is that Grid. I don't think necessarily. Appe- I think it appealed to consumers, and it compete, which is great and fine. But it appealed to consumers on a business model based on advertising, where it's very hard to be big enough to bring in those dollars. And so I think mm-hmm. my uh, assumption is that Grid probably needed more cash to continue to operate the business. That Jimmy Finkelstein's company uh, had cash, and that they were trying to scale up pretty quickly, and that this was actually a um, a, a pretty well suited arrangement. Of dance partners, uh, I actually, I mean, to reveal, you know, to break forth a little bit more, I had a meeting with a big former media CEO a couple of months ago who was flagging that the grid was going to need to pivot at some point. So when I saw this news, I thought this guy had known what he was talking about and, and probably uh, it turned out he was right. So uh, there you have it. Uh, and sometimes the way the sausage gets made isn't always pretty, but I think actually this, this worked out for both buyer and seller. But is the goal here to basically... Fill out like a, a staff roster at the messenger. I mean, they. I think I think there are a couple goals here. And again, I'm like trying to enter the mind of, of Jimmy Finkelstein here, which I'm I'm like profoundly uh, unequipped to do. I'm guessing there are going to be changes, right? That they 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 bought a company that had fifty something people, and that not all people will come with the transaction. But I'm guessing that the messenger thinks that because of. Mad Dog, Richard Beckman, their president and chief sales guy, that they have a chance to sell a new brand to a bigger audience and create more scale and that grid the, the grid personnel helps them get there faster. And I also surmise that they've had a difficult time recruiting and that this just makes it a lot simpler for them to to get feet on the street. But it doesn't change, your point, which I think is where you're headed, it does not change the fundamental issues, which are, do they have the right business model? Uh, the, the messenger wants to basically be the grid times 10. They want to be a populist, consumer-focused, politics and politics-adjacent media company that exists off of advertising. And I think that the coverage of the of the messenger has been skeptical of this notion because the guys who are running it have been they've been out of the game for a couple of years and they may not res- recognize that the thesis that they are pursuing is a lot harder to run to ground than it may have been years ago. It's very hard to get a hundred million uniques, which I think is what Beckman was saying that they aimed to accomplish mm-hmm. and it's very hard to sell all that advertising because it costs a lot of people you know it costs a lot of money to uh hire that sales force and if you're going to go a different route and pipe in programmatic advertising well the margins really narrow and so i'm not in any way suggesting that these guys are are cooked like they they have a lot of experience and we're all learning from each other in this business as we try and sort of you know remake this part of the industry but at the end of the day we talk about this all the time at the end of the day i think Everything comes down to business models. You can have the best work in the world. And if you don't have the right business model, then you're just playing for time. And um, we've seen this movie before.
0: If anyone out there wants a good sort of just like classic New York Post read about this, they posted a piece last week. Headline, Jimmy Finkelstein's media startup, The Messenger ripped over delusional (laughs) business plan. And it is just like a bunch of media people on background just being like, this is trash. This is like, these guys don't get it. They're too old. And like uh, ripping their business plan, you know, is to have eventually 550 journalists, as the New York Post says, about as many as the Los Angeles Times. And you just have who knows who the New York Post is quoting, but they're just like. They're naming people that have passed on investing. They're like digging up dirt on Beckman. It's just like a classic old school like media shit talking piece in the New York Post. Just Google it. I enjoyed <laughs> enjoyed reading it. No matter what I thought about the Messenger.
1: Yeah, the Post is pissed. I think the Messenger is uh, rated um, the company, and and it's certainly not hard to get people to talk about Beckman's track record. Yeah. Places like Conde Nast or or Vice. Um, but there is, I don't know. I, <laughs> On some level, I'm also, I have to admit, I'm also a little charmed by this. Like, Jimmy Finkelstein, I think, is 74 years old, and there's no reason on earth why he has to do this, you know, other than that he wants to, you know um, and he really wants to continue to be relevant, he wants to have a platform, he wants to be influential Um, it's the same sort of seductive potion that It's the Rick Pitino
0: going to St. John's of media.
1: (laughs) That's right it's the Chris Ruddy Newsmax right, it's why Rupert Murdoch is getting remarried at 99, like there's just this, um, the world turns with these guys and so I'm going to be fascinated to, to see how this all plays out but they are they've definitely um left themselves open to to criticism and I, I you know i think there's also certain questions about how the financing works as well so we'll see all right buddy have a great week man you too buddy talk to you later